Blog Talk Radio. It's now time for Race Chat Live with Chris Creighton and Craig Moore. Race fans, welcome to the most listened to show on the 110 Nation Radio Network when it's hot, it's hot. Presenting you the caution flag of racing radio, the DJ Music Man, and the Tasmanian Devil of Flaggers. Here's your host, Chris. All right, race fans, how the hell are you? Sorry about that bum introduction. We we left out uh we left out our buddy over there, Taz. Also, this one will not have the correct title on the show here. So uh, just uh, just make sure that you guys uh, know that this is Race Chat Live with Chris. Craig and Taz, or Chris, Craig, or Craig, Taz, and Chris, or Craig and Craig and Taz, and Craig, Taz, and Chris. So however you want to look at it, it's all good. Uh, I got my co-host, my partners in crime here uh, to join me here this evening. We've had no show prep. We've uh, got no itinerary. Uh, and... Uh, the greatest thing that we have is all three of us here today. So uh, we're going to work this. Uh, I do believe I, I may have stepped on my own word just then uh, because I may have an update on an itinerary uh, that I have not uh, opened up yet in my messenger. But without further ado, no, there is one. we'll get everything figured out here. Uh, Craig, how you doing, buddy? Good, buddy. How are you? How was the archery tournament? Oh, my gosh. It's uh it's enough to do on Tuesday to add other things to it. So um it's just glad to be here. And glad this time I'm not in route to the house. I'm I'm here and uh able to get the show going without because uh, I don't know if I could handle it if I was still going down the road with everything else that's kind of I gotten thrown up in there. But hey, it's all good. We gonna have we're gonna pop us off one of the best shows ever. I, I believe in the staff that we have that works behind us. And with us, and that includes Taz and Craig and Miss Lee and Mr. CJ Sports. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that believe in us in this show. And uh, we're going to do our best to have one of the best ones yet. Uh, I say that, and then I look over at my laptop, and it says battery low. So uh, we're going to have to get that straightened out as well. Let me bring in Taz and all. We got this show cranked up here, guys. Uh, just one second. Woo-hoo. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, Taz, kick this show off, man. All right. Well, Vegas was an interesting one, and honestly, I think more of the storylines come outside of the Cup Series. Well, I mean, Cup Series had their own storylines, but I think more come out of the Xfinity and Trucks. Um, let's start off with the truck series they kicked things off this weekend on friday night at vegas um kyle bush actually didn't really dominate that race um he ran up front as expect as expected but he wasn't the one that people expect or he wasn't the one that we would all circle to dominate the race because normally when you put kyle bush in the trucks it's a uh it's essentially a Kyle Busch show, and it actually wasn't. 
Uh, I, I think that most of the time when you have Kyle Busch uh, registered to race, I, you know, that's been the case from 2020 back. But it seems like uh, in the last couple of years, it's been a little bit harder for him to, to notch that win. I almost wonder if, you know, he, he doesn't, uh, you know, understand. Well, he doesn't kind of race his own trucks hard enough to, to win. In other words, he knows he has the win already. So if he doesn't race his trucks, then it's better for the other for the other guys. Where I, I I don't know if it's a conspiracy or if just he just can't seem to win. But I would hope to believe that he's just uh, kind of you know playing to the fact that those are his trucks and they need sponsors, and uh, it doesn't do him any good when his talent that drives for him doesn't pick up wins because he's the one winning. Now I'm not saying if if such and such is in second place. That uh, you know, uh, say uh, uh, Zane Smith in second place, he's not going to pull over and let Zane Smith win. Definitely, it seems to be that he doesn't mind running uh, behind his truck as long as one of his trucks is up front. So I believe if it was somebody else up there, he wouldn't. He probably would stress the issue a lot more. But being that it's his own equipment that he's getting beat by, I, I'm almost kind of certain that he's cool with it. But that's not the way you would think it is if you watch Sunday's race because Kyle Busch is a highly competitive dude, and uh, we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But uh, how about you, Craig? What do you think? Craig Moore? Did we lose you? No, I had myself on mute. I had myself on mute. Uh, I thought the trucks were good. I thought the entire race weekend was decent from what I was able to see and and, and catch. I thought Brian C. All right, made so what an about the uh, Spencer Boyd brick there, Craig? What do, what do you think about that? The NASCAR's lack to throw the caution since, since you, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I think Shaw, what's his name? Chandler Smith? Got his, what, second yeah. career win? But I think the storyline of, of – of the truck race is actually that last wreck and the caution that come out there. Well, I think NASCAR is picky as to where they throw the caution and when. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I think that every show that every podcast, um, we could all, we could all debate on whether NASCAR has their favorite spots or whether they throw mystery cautions. Um, you know, it, it all depends on really, I think, who's where on the track. And if if I, I don't want to say that anybody in the tower is not really paying attention, but it seems like they throw cautions when they don't need to, and when they need to, they don't throw them. So, but I don't think we'll ever... I don't ever think we'll figure out the um, rhyme or reason to their caution-throwing ability. Let's put it that way. Well, we don't want we don't want umpires calling. Uh, we, we don't want computer-aided uh, umpires calling balls and strikes in baseball. Um, Taz, let's ask this question to you: Do you think that there should be an automated, like basically uh, a program that that knows? based off of what it's gathering of information and data to throw the caution, like 
should there be certain points? There's so much data that's created in NASCAR these days. It's not like the NASCAR of old. Uh, the, everything is computerized. Everything has data. Is it time to move that to a new to a new spot? It's basically leave it undetermined for a human being, but uh, leave it to a program to – because obviously if Chase Elliott spins out, Craig Tass, you know the caution is going to come out, okay? They done got caught doing that, you know? Chase Elliott spun the other day and got a caution flag because he spun out. There was no need for a caution there. He knew if he spun out, he'd get him one. We've argued that already. But now this week, they, they don't hold they hold the caution, and it creates a bad situation. And I think they held the caution as well in the cup race that we haven't even gotten to yet. Uh, the Eric Jones incident was one of those, you know, I mean, uh, they let the whole car slide right back up in, in the track. Uh, with the green out. So, you know, they are picky about when and how they throw that yellow caution flag. And uh, I just wonder, Taz, is it time to go to an automated system? He might have his on mute, too. Uh, Sorry, I just realized that. Thanks, Craig. Um, Anyway, um, they shouldn't shouldn't really have any sort of automation or anything – Honestly, it should be the race director and the head flagger making the calls. And for cautions to be thrown, you have to look at the situation given and where the where the problem is. Um, like the Chase Elliott thing, he did it on track, and he, he wasn't really, like, clear off the racing surface-ish. So – that caution was there regardless, no matter what, um, in my honest opinion. And I know you two won't agree at all. So I'm just going to say it just, and I'm just going to feel like talking to two walls, no offense, (laughs) but if it was anybody else that did the same thing, it would be the same result in my opinion. Um, now for the, um, for this accident, he was off the racing surface, which I can understand why they left it. But had they had they surveyed, had they paid attention to how he got off the surface, like what had happened, the caution should have been thrown, not let it go. It's just, it's it's just it's one of those things where you have to see what happened. Um, in the situation versus where the where it is, I don't know. Like I said, the driver was off, was way off the racing surface and clear of everything, but it also caused a dangerous situation. So at that point, um, I can understand why they threw, why they didn't throw it. But at the same time, for the incident that happened, caution should have been thrown. I agree, and and that's where it needs to be a little bit more consistent and and understand that it's not entertainment. This is this is people's lives that they're uh, that they're juggling. But uh, let's move on to the Xfinity race because we are going to be short on time this evening. We need to go ahead and get these topics uh, covered better than what we did last week, anyway. Um, So the Xfinity race, Ty Gibbs opens the race up three laps, and he finds a front bumper on the tailpiece of Ryan Sieg, sends Ryan Sieg up near the wall, 
she backs her in, comes out a few laps later, slows her down, tries to wreck Ty Gibbs, and uh, did that unsuccessfully. Ended up wrecking himself and including taking out other cars. Um, You guys, you know, is this still boys have at it? Uh, Obviously, Ty Gibbs went on to win the race. I think this is a pretty big subject considering we've seen this before in the Cup Series by a certain driver. Is this what we is this what we were talking about when boys have that, or is it time to come in and say, okay, that, you know, this is not really what we were talking about, or, or this is exactly what we're talking about? I can't wait to hear. Uh, let's start with you, Craig. Well, I think that uh, I think it's time to come in and have a serious conversation with both series. Um, That way, or all three series, that way it's clear cut across the board. Listen, if you do X, it's going to cost you. I mean, that was pretty, that was a dickhead move. Uh, He goes, he goes and tries to wreck Ty Dillon. He ends up wrecking himself, taking him out of the race, taking himself out of the race. Ty Dillon. Ty Gibbs there. Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs. But why was Ty Gibbs racing somebody that hard on lap number three? That that's another that and 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 Ty Gibbs has been known now for several other incidents to be too aggressive a little too early. So uh, it, well, it seems again, kind of like you're pointing to blame at Ryan Sieg, but but I wanted to make sure that that was the direction you were going in, Craig. Well, yeah, I mean you don't race somebody. I'll give you that. The race lap two, lap three, lap ten. You know. You don't race somebody that hard. You, you still got a you still got a, a mountain of racing to do. Um, but then again, you don't you don't race somebody hard. Expect not to get raced hard back. Sig should have known better. He shouldn't have wrecked his own. He tried to wreck. He tried to wreck him. It didn't work. Gibbs goes on to win the race. I mean, it's and here Sieg's in the trailer, and he actually had to go visit the NASCAR hauler actually know what happened with that i haven't heard anything i don't know if any of you guys if any of you guys did but i highly doubt that ty gibbs will get penalized you know it's kind of like it's kind of like he's he's pappy's boy it's pappy he's playing with pappy's money and joe gibbs is you know a high and mighty car owner. But that didn't like, work too well for Austin Dillon and his brother Ty. Uh, it seems to be that they the drivers demanded a little bit more respect because of where they come from. And to this day, they're not uh, taken serious for their actual talents. It always goes back to pop pop. Um, is that something? Before we move to Taz, real quick, let's let's make this a double end question for Taz as well. Will this type of racing affect Ty Gibbs uh, as he progresses into a Cup driver? I think so. I think if he if he shows that he's way too aggressive, you know, I don't care how much talent you got, it, it could come back to bite you in the ass. And you know, Papa, okay. Papa might sit him down and say, "Listen, I appreciate you racing real hard, but uh, if you're going to start costing me money, we're going to have to reevaluate this." Yeah. This guy gives has the talent to make it to the cup level, or at least he's already proved to to be successful in the other leagues. Taz, I know this is kind of a double end question. First of all, 
the the original was whether or not this is Ty Gibbs or Ryan C. The the issue or the the cause of the problem. Obviously, three laps into the race is a little bit early. But Ryan Sieg was probably the idiot of the race because he went up there to wreck somebody and wound up wrecking his stupid-ass self. Uh, so who do you think that fault? And if Ty Gibbs is at fault here, does that affect how drivers look at him later on? Because obviously we compared uh, to Austin Dillon and Ty Dillon. Anytime they did some boneheaded moves, uh, they were held pretty much accountable for it, including uh, a rip between – you know, a, a company driver and the grandson, as uh, Kevin Harvick was seeing his way out the door at Richard Childress Racing. Go ahead, Tess. The the fault I think kind of plays into both of them. Uh, Sieg should have known better to move like that, but at the same time, um, Gibbs should have kind of read that and not tried to uh, take out somebody in the process. I mean, guys, we're three laps into the freaking goddamn race. <laughs> we out a bit here. I mean, I understand you want to try to get the best position possible because, you know, the longer the race goes, if you're not in a good spot, then it could ruin your runs and such and such. But three laps into a race, guys, let's chill out. I mean... Yeah, it's not it's not like you have to think of. I get we're going to different tracks and such, but you kind of have when you start race these races, regardless if you're at say Bristol or or heck Las Vegas or even Talladega, you got to treat the first few laps on these races that are not Daytona or Talladega races. As if they are Daytona Talladega races. Why? Because everyone's bunched up. Everyone's trying to, you know, find a way to get around. And if you do something stupid, you're going to cause a huge one. It's a domino effect. Yeah, very good. Very good, uh... Very good analysis there. So that's uh, that can pretty much. I don't know what else I could take from the Xfinity race other than it was a really good race, and I enjoyed uh, most of it. Uh, it. There was action all over the speedway, which is something that we've actually seen from all three series. Now it's amazing to have all three series on the same page because I used to say, okay, this one outright stood above the rest. This one was okay. You know that's what we expect, and of course the Cup race was nine times out of ten well. I sure wish we could get better racing there. I have been completely satisfied with all three, and uh, and and all of them are leaving me with uh, with action packed uh, weekends, and and that that helps build excitement each week. Like I'm not expecting to go to Phoenix this weekend and have a dull Cup race. I'm expecting to go to Phoenix and see something really fun and really cool, and 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 be suspenseful. Uh, sitting on the edge of my seat, as I have been the last two races, the last two tracks, because, hey, they said we were going to go into Las Vegas and it was going to be business as usual on the cup side. I'm not sure I could say that was business as usual. Uh, Craig, uh, let's bring you in the fold here, sir. Uh, What was something that stood out with you through the cup race Sunday? Because, obviously, this was not your typical Vegas. Something that stood out. Yeah. I think the thing that stands out for me most in the first three races of the season 
is we're seeing what? No, 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 no. She should not have been in the booth. Anyway, um, anyway, anyway. We just had to put that in there. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> I think I think the cars that we're not seeing up front that we usually we didn't see up front with the previous versions of this of of a race car, we're seeing the mm-hmm. we're seeing different drivers up front. <laughs> I think that that's the biggest that's the biggest takeaway I've seen from um all three races so far this season. And I mean look at Eric Jones for I'll use him as an example even though he I believe he wrecked Sunday. Um Eric Almarola, he's another one. Okay. Um I just think that the quality of racing is a lot better until the top tier teams figure this car out. And then it's going to be, it's going to, I think it'll take them a while, but I think it's going to be a, um, I think we're going to have good racing. I think we're, like you said, Chris, I think we're going to be sitting on the edge of our seat Uh every week for the next 33 weeks. You know, I, so. I, I believe what you say is true, too, Craig. My takeaway from this past Sunday is, man, these Fords have got to step up. I don't know what the Fords are missing. Uh, it, it seems to be we can wrap our arms around the AA battery right now because he's the one that's carrying my blue ovals, at, it seems to be, at this point in time. Um, you know, I, I think that that's not something I expected. Um, Wait what? Can can hold the phone? Wait a minute, Chris. Are you sick? I mean, I'm saying double A battery is the one that's been, you know, carrying the 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 the, the whole manufacturer. Uh, Eric and oh, Roland well, have been the only Ford consistent. Ryan Blaney keeps messing himself up. Uh, Joey Logano hasn't been able to capitalize. Keselowski wrecks every damn race. Um, I, I don't know. You're you leaving know. out. You're leaving out Austin Cindric, dude. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, I'm very surprised of Austin Cindric's, uh early success, uh, but uh, uh, he is in uh, the one of the top fleet cars uh, in the garage. So um, he definitely uh, seems to be seems to have it better than our friend Bubba Wallace, who wrecked once again. But uh, so that, that that's my takeaway. I, I, I know that it's going to surprise y'all that I'm so big on these forwards, uh, not not capitalizing. Um, as, before we go to the next uh, subject, though, uh, what, what is your takeaway? What, what's something that you took away from uh, uh, the cup race this weekend, Taz? Well, with the the cup race, it did bring – I mean, we're, we saw more parity again. Um, Toyota stepped up the plate this time, which I'm glad they, they did because I didn't – as much as I want to see Chevy kind of win again, in a sense, um, it it wasn't where a it wasn't where we saw Toyota sit in the back of the of the camper and be like, "What the heck are you guys doing back there? Like, are y'all sleeping or something?" But um, it was good to see them back up. Uh, it, unfortunately, though, Penske had a strong start. It was just that the job wasn't done, unfortunately. Um, I just I see consistency if luck goes on their side. I do expect Penske to come shooting out of the gate 
every week. It's just can they put the pieces together from start to finish? Austin Sindrick and Ryan Blaney showed it at Daytona pretty much. Joey Logano showed it at the Clash. Last week, we saw bits and pieces of it. And this week, it kind of fell apart. But they, Mapensky is the form, is the big piece right now for Ford. And I do believe that if everything goes their way, they're going to be a dominating team. And they may make SHR look like the B team. Yeah, but they got to get there first. We can't. We you can't set Ford's um, success on a rookie. I mean, every right. other Ford team, every other Ford driver has got to step up, or we could be. You know, Ford's going to start hollering for more speed here pretty soon. I mean, I know they've started, but NASCAR is going to start listening. Well, and I mean, can we talk about SHR because? I mean, they've been they've been quiet. They've been the quietest team all year, and we're three races in. Yeah, Briscoe's not been quiet. I think Briscoe's just ran into a couple of hiccups. Uh, the kid has really surprised me uh, versus last year and this year, uh, the maturity level that we've seen Briscoe. Uh, but we're seeing teams like JT. We're seeing teams like JTG, Petty. Um, I know these are Chevy teams. At times, 2311, depending on if Bubba can keep his wheel straight and if Kurt Busch is having a good day. But I, I think mean, he has one seeing, thing in common with uh, Ricky and Eric Jones. And, uh, and Trackhouse, too, is up there. Yeah, Tyler Reddick and, and all. Yeah, the track house kids, those are all ECR motors. Those are all, you know, basically Richard Childress. Uh, you know, Richard Childress has been able to build quite an empire over the last couple of years, and I think he has his hand in his pot in, in, in several of those organizations, not necessarily track house, but I believe track house races the ECR motor, as they did with Chip Ganassi. So um, I'm not sure what motor – their track house is running this year, but I believe it is the ECR Motors. So, uh, you know, that that is uh, – the, there's some parity up in the Cup Series. It's awesome to see. I don't know if I had it on my on my, uh, uh, my imagination or the future the in my crystal ball that Alex Bowman would back his way into another win. How about but is it a back end – but is it a back? Is it backing in, or no, is it good pitch strategy and good yeah. planning on yeah. on Greg Ives' part? Chris Bush and the only last uh, uh, well, yeah, back into a win. Uh, this was good strategy by Greg Ives, who we all know is a champion crew chief. So you know, I'm not surprised one bit. I, am I, and and the fact of it is, is everybody wants to say backed into it, but he had to race the champion to get it. So Larson was not going to give the win to Alex Bowman. As a matter of fact, Chase Elliott can watch now replays of that race and really actually see how to beat Larson instead of, you know, trying to take advantage of somebody going through the corner 
ain't going to drive up the racetrack real fucking quick when you know that uh, that that uh, that that's the high side that that driver normally drives anyway, and then cry wolf all day long. You know, Chase Elliott got to see firsthand now how it was done by the second best driver in, Hendrick, in the Hendrick organization, Alex Bowman. I mean, how can we not argue yeah. that Alex Bowman is not the second best driver at the Hendrick organization? Not only he's is he the second best driver, but he's probably the most um, ingenious driver when it comes to marketing because he's already come up with a shirt for that. Um, I don't know if you guys seen it. I'll share it on the Race Chat Live page if I can find it again. Well, the thing, the thing with Bowman is that I don't understand what why these Toyotas are getting ticked off at him. The guy is, I mean, what Denny Hamlin says? Oh, this guy's a heck. When clearly last year, Bowman got more wins than Hamlin did. Hamlin only got as far as he did because of points. And then Kyle Busch, I don't know what his deal was. What, Bowman wasn't up front where you were all freaking race long? So you're just going to complain about it? Like, come yeah. on. What, did he, what was he, a Larson fan or something? Taz, I mean, who was he really cheering for there? Like, Bowman has been one of those. Bowman was up front in stage one, and obviously he won stage one. And then stage two, he kind of quieted out, but he didn't go, like, too far back. And then stage three, he was kind of, you know, quietly working his way up. And then when it counted most, he was there. But where I'm trying to figure out is how Alex Bowman is a heck. I'll put that in air quotes for for radio purposes. Is what I'm trying to figure out. Well, that was last... That was Denny Hamlin, and this is Kyle Busch. So, I mean, well, he doesn't make two shirts money over that one. Um, the fucking guy who fucking packs into the fucking wins every fucking week fucking did it again. Uh, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out why Kyle Busch was so worried about Bowman winning and not Larson, you know? I mean, he must have been a Kyle Larson fan. Maybe we should send Kyle Busch some Kyle Larson memorabilia. <laughs> it's not like Alex Bowman was racing Kyle Busch for the win. He was racing Kyle Larson yeah. for the win. Just kind of some yeah, odd comments that makes you wonder about the character of Alex Bowman because most of us don't really know who Alex Bowman is. He's been able to keep this uh, certain uh, character that loves dogs and does for animals and stuff like that, but but like we get no it no picture into his actual personal life. There is no girlfriend from what I can tell. Uh I just wonder, you know, if maybe this is a bite at Alex Bowman's character. Maybe maybe he's just not a cool guy to hang out with in the garage. Maybe he's one of them oddballs and Kyle Bush literally just doesn't like him. Could be. It could not be that, that he's taking wrong with that. No, it could be, too, that, like you said, there could be something about him that Kyle just don't like, and he's an easy mark. He's an easy target to pick on. Um, you know, I, I look at it like this, and, and we were talking tonight, and I said, the only lap that counts in a fucking race is the last one. It's, uh, lap three don't pay. Lap 199 don't pay. 
about 200 pays. Uh-huh. So I don't care where you're at on the track. You got good pitch strategy. You got good pick calls. You got you can dice your way up through traffic. If you set yourself up, then you're going to finish well. Obviously, Greg Odds, Alex Bowman had a plan because it was him and Larson that took the same exact tire strategy. They had the same exact tire strategy, and they finished one-two. So I don't understand why anybody went to pit there. If I was Kyle Busch's crew chief, I would have been hung over the fact that I was not going to give up the front the front row. And the guy who won the race took a two-tire strategy. The guy who ran second ran a two-tire strategy. We don't know what would have happened if he had, if he had just stayed out. You know, I, I think if Kyle had decided that he was going to stay out or the crew chief had decided that he was going to stay out, most of those guys were coming in to put on scruffs anyway. Not they, they didn't even have any stickers left from all the tire issues that we've seen throughout the race, which is something that we didn't cover yet. Uh, I guess we'll get that in black flag news. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it, I was questioning the whole strategy of why you come down pit road. Uh, if I'd have stayed out, I'm pretty, pretty sure the guys behind me would have stayed out. I don't know. Yeah, I'm... Well, then, then again, you don't know because everybody, everybody has a different game plan. I would think that if you know the top four cars stay out, everybody's going to stay out. They're not going to want to risk it. But then again, like you said, who the hell knows? Yeah, if I, from fifth on back, they would have gone in and gotten as many fresh tires as they could get. But. Uh, um, yeah, just uh, I, I thought it had a lot of excitement. We need to get to the Black Flag news segment, uh, Black Flag, Checker Flag. Um, do you guys have anything else uh, as it pertains to what stood out? I think what we can move right on into with the Black Flag news is uh, the tire issue. Now, there was seemed to be one tire issue that, that worked well, that worked a little bit better, and that was the ability to get back to pit row when you had a blowout. But... We had an awful lot of tire issues at a racetrack that's supposed to have a good non-abrasive surface. Uh, are we finding? Are we getting the the hint to a Goodyear problem? Because we've got several tracks that we're going to come to that are very abrasive and very uh, uh, rough on the wheels, and that's going to be places like the the St. Louis racetrack and uh, uh, Gateway and, uh, uh, of course, Indy. Well, I, I don't know if they're – I guess they're probably doing road course Indy. I'm not sure if they're – but the, there are definitely some tracks coming up where uh, tires are mud. Yeah, Dover, you know. Um, Dover, Darlington. Other I mean, yeah, Darlington as well. Perfect an, uh, example, uh, Craig Moore. And I believe we go to Darlington twice, so – um, right. It's going to be interesting. Is this a, is this a, my black flag news? My black flag is uh, the, the tires. The, is Goodyear is Goodyear underestimating a a tire issue here? I believe so. I, I I think they're trying to mask it as something else. Uh, they need to get their head out of their ass and figure this out. Um, because, like we just said. We're coming up to tracks that chew the snot out of tires. 
and you know Darlington, St. Louis, Dover. All those all those tracks are rough on a rough on rubber. And if Goodyear doesn't figure it out, there's going to be major major issues. And you know NASCAR is going to have to step in. I think if and I don't know exactly how NASCAR would could do it, but they're going to have to do something. I mean, hell, it just it boggles my mind that they can't come up with a tire that that these cars can effectively run on without serious issues every week. I mean, I expect issues, but I don't expect multiple issues every week, the same friggin' thing. Come up with a game plan. You you guys are making millions of dollars. Come up with a game plan and figure it the hell out. So I have to agree with you, Chris, as far as my black flag news. I'm going to add... I'm going to add one more because I got two pieces to it, and we just alluded to it. Uh, Kyle issue, Kyle Bush's issue with uh, Alex Bowman. Uh, you weren't even in contention for the win. It wasn't even racing you, as you alluded to. What the hell do you care? He won a race. Figure out what you got to do to beat the kid then every single week. Yeah, he's got more wins than you, buddy. <laughs> he's got more yeah. wins than you over the last couple of years. <laughs> you can't even win in your own damn truck at this point in time. Uh, it, it's got to be some built-in frustration with Kyle Busch, correct? But that's what I got. Taz, what about you, brother? My black flag news, and I'm surprised neither one of you came up with this. It wasn't even a good year tire issue. It's apparently these pit crews and installing lug nuts because it happened outside of the Cup Series twice this weekend. Y'all missed it. Freaking DQs coming out of nowhere. The Zane Smith, who I will say this, because I know some people may not agree with this, but GMS highly screwed Zane Smith. Because Zane Smith is out here with uh, front row motorsports and trucks and whooping some whooping some egg cans all over on these people. The guy can wheel, and he got DQ'd because of a lug of because of lug nut issues. And then you have uh, the zero seven car from SS Greenlight Racing get disqualified after his lug nut violations. Apparently that. For the 07, they thought the signal lug nut went in the Xfinity cars, but they're they're in the wrong series for the single lug nuts. But, yeah, I'm surprised you guys didn't catch on to that one. I mean, two DQs that happened outside of the Cup Series for lug nut issues. Yeah, there was definitely some of those issues going on. Yeah, I don't know what NASCAR's got to do to get this. This It seems like every week we're talking about lug nut violations. I mean, holy Christ, we've only been zipping and zipping off lug nuts for for 65, 64 years. Get the shit figured out. Oh, God, for real, dude. I mean, how you know how many points somebody lost because, uh, because of the whole uh, uh, lug nut issue? 
I mean, he finished second. Now he's now he's recorded his finish from what fortieth. My gosh. Yeah. Well, for um, Joe Graff, who was in the zero seven car, he'll be recorded fortieth. Zane Smith will be recorded thirty sixth because they only took thirty six trucks this weekend. What do you got so, for um, Dragon Flag news? Uh, um, I did catch yeah, something. Hold on. I caught, I caught something. Apparently, we have a new cup team coming in for eight races. Um, I just passed on it when I was trying to get my Black Flag news to pop up. Uh, team Stange Racing sets eight race schedule for, for Marquette. New number nine, new number seventy nine entry in twenty twenty two Cup Series. Uh, the eight race schedule. Um, our organization announced that Brazilian veteran Tarso Marquez, probably saying that completely wrong, will drive the number seventy nine Ford with a debut set for July third at Road America. The team also plans to enter races at Indianapolis Road Course on July thirty first. Watkins Glen on August twenty. On August 21st, Daytona on August 27th, the Charlotte Roval on October 9th, Las Vegas on October 16th, Homestead on October 23rd, and the Phoenix season finale. Marquez 46 has made 24 Formula One starts, most recent coming in 2001. He was also a regular in Champ Car competition, making 27 appearances during parts of four seasons. The Road America event would represent his Cup Series debut. And they're going to have sponsorship backing from a blockchain company known as Dignity Gold and the DIGAU token, the DIGAU token. Dogecoin? No, 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 no. It's, It's D I G A U, not not Dogecoin. So a new team coming in. I, I caught that one. That one. That one is uh, breaking news. I wish I had the breaking news thing on the. Uh, we'll have to get that on there. Um, I agree, Miss Lee. Uh, Miss Lee says bring back, bring back the interliner. Yeah, they said that they can't do it. Uh, if you listen to Sirius XM, it's it's impossible. There's no way to do that. Goodyear's already said that it's not gonna. It's not their problem, it's the car hype problem. So uh, maybe some of these guys have figured out how to lift. Uh, these these guys, they're going to figure it out, right? That's that's what these crew chiefs are for, right? Um, the engineering side of things. Now, whether or not they get in trouble, that's that's NASCAR's problem, and, and or that's their problem if NASCAR uh, finds it, deems it to be inappropriate uh, measures gone to, to fixing the car. Um, you know, my, my checker flag is, uh, the, the Greg Biffle team, New York racing. I, I didn't believe that they would even show up much less, uh, compete in two races. Uh, Greg Biffle showed up at Daytona. He didn't even have a jack for his car. <laughs> um, Greg, if you listen to the interview that Greg did, uh, you know, he basically said that him and his partner at New York racing, uh, you know, Basically, it was like he wanted to create a partnership with Hendrick, and it didn't go through. And then possibly Joe Gibbs, it didn't go through. 
And now there's been something kind of pieced together with Childress. But uh, Greg specifically said that he did not want to come back to something that was not a competitive group. Um, I'm very impressed with how they've been able to, you know, basically it shows you that this car is uh, it's pretty even uh, with others by being able to come in. And, I mean, these guys don't even have a jack. So how are they running as well as they have? I, now, no doubt they have they have had issues the two races that they've been in, and uh, Greg's had to retire early. But he was not a back-of-the-pack 40th place racer either. So um, my checker flag goes to New York Racing. I hope that they continue uh, to move forward. And uh, maybe, just maybe, we can we can uh, watch a little team that you know, basically started with nothing, similar to for what how Front Row Motorsports got here. Uh, Front Row Motorsports started out as a team that was always a back-of-the-pack. Uh, they were always last. Um, but uh, piece by piece, uh, Bob Jenkins was able to piece together a car that now uh, won the Daytona 500 and has several wins in the organization. I think four or five wins within the front row motorsports organization. So uh, not too shabby. Maybe uh, maybe we're seeing the beginning of that with the New York racing team. And Greg Biffle's obviously still got a lot to do with the reason why they're running up front. He's, uh, he's still a great talent that uh, could possibly – see himself in a bigger bigger ride pretty soon if he keeps on doing what he's doing uh, over there at New York Racing. Uh, Craig? Or is it Taz? Taz. No, go ahead, Craig. All right, well, I think my I think my um, checkered flag news is the 18 team. The way they were able to put that car, that that parts car, essentially that was a parts car that they had uh, no wrap. They had to take stuff out of it and put it in the backup, take it from the primary and put it in the backup and get that thing ready to go inside of eight, nine hours. To me, that just shows the quality. I mean, they also had a lot of help from the uh, 11, 11 team and and, you know, all that, but that just shows the um, the amount of testicular fortitude that those guys had to get that car ready to go and for it to run. <coughs> Excuse me, for it to run as well as it did and be in, be up front almost all day. So kudos to the eighteen team. Taz. to the phone. It was kind of hard to understand you. You did it, man. I'm trying to set some stuff up. I'm sorry. My computer's trying to be a little jerk at the wrong time. Well, that happened. Checker flag, Taz. It's not the checker flag. It's the black flag. Actually, 
more like the blue flag close, closing in on the black flag. So that's the move over flag. Yeah. All right, next up, Chris. Well, I believe uh, well, coming that, up that's in about we have stat of the day. A uh, stat of the day. Yeah, there we have a stat of the day. Oh, I forgot about the stat of the day. Stat of the day. Here's the stat of the day. Oh no, gotta find it. Uh, it is not Calvin Ridley. How many? How many <laughs> different leaders did we get? That's the real stat. Did we have less than Auto Club? What did I do with it? Oh. Oh, hold on. Go. Did I got you far back. Shoot. Okay, wait a minute. Up, uh, Eric Jones passed a race high 157 cars today in the Pennzoil 400. That's 22 more cars than Kyle Busch, who passed the second most cars at 135. Dude was flying during the late stages before his spin. Stat of the day! Stat of the day! Stat of the day! Stat of the day! That was the stat of the day. Well, Chris, I might, Chris, I might have one for you. I heard that there was, there's been 31 cautions through three races. And that's wow. the most in the last couple of years for the first three I'm races back. of the season. Baby, I'm back at flag of caution. Woo! All right. So, <laughs> you want to get a stat of the day here for this? Out of the day, out of the day. 23 lead changes for Las Vegas a month. Not your Papa's Vegas. How about that for headlines? So that's among 15 different leaders, if I got that right. Wow. And believe it or not, Ross Chastain led the most laps of the race. Isn't that something? Way to go, Ross laps. Chastain. Way to go, Travis. 83 laps. Race. 83 really... laps led. The next three that are behind him are all GGR cars. Kyle Busch leading 49. Bell led 32. Hamlin led 31. Wow. So you take Kurt Busch, who went to 2311, and you take Ross Chastain, who went to Trackhouse. At the beginning of the year, I believe – we didn't ask this question, but I believe at the beginning of the year, if you would have said that Ross Chastain would be outperforming Kurt Busch at this point in time, I think that I would probably say, you lied, bro. You lied. Why you lie to me, bro? But uh, I I don't know. Chastain and that whole Trackhouse team. Look. We're a week away from Daniel Suarez almost winning the freaking race. My amigo almost won the race. Yeah, a week ago. Yeah. Wow. Ross Chastain almost won the race. Track house. Is that the question? Is that the question of the week? Will track house uh will they close it, man? Will they will they close the deal? Will they find victory? Because obviously <laughs> If winning was easy, everybody would do it, right? 
we so many right. times see some of these other guys that don't win on weekly basis, the Matt and Dean Bedettos, they always seem to wind up second bridesmaids. Well, there's a reason why, right? Because winning isn't easy, and there's those that make it look easier than it actually is. That's what keeps a lot of these second-place fellas from ever seeing that victory, only claiming a couple of them, because they don't know how to close it. We watched Larson for a long time not know how to close the race. When you go back to Kyle Busch's earlier career, Kyle Busch was the same way. He was fast. But he didn't know how to close the race. Now, he picked him up a couple wins here and there, but he was definitely every weekend something to to watch, but he just didn't figure out how to close the race. Uh, will, will Chastain and Suarez figure out how to close track houses? Obviously, they, they, they could be on the verge. And not just track house, but their 43 team as well. I think Eric Jones could close the deal. I don't know what question to ask here, but, man, I'm telling you. To have guys like Daniel Suarez, Ross Chastain, and Eric Jones part of this big picture, and we're still waiting on Tyler Reddick to win, too. Holy crap, man. We got so many more names to talk about this year besides the freaking top three. That's been our show for three years. The top three. Who's the top three? The big three. No. Now we're talking about Reddick. We're talking about Jones. We're talking about Suarez. We're talking about. We're talking about the guys, man. We're not talking about the big three. How about that? How about how about how that sounded? How we found that right there? Come on, guys, help me out here. Well, I think I think you're before the end of before the first half ends. You're going to see, you're going to see Eric Jones pop off a win. You're going to see possibly Ross Chastain pop off a win. And your little amigo there, I think, is going to pop off a win. That's a lot uh, of one of three. A lot of people that you know, we normally see one to two, maybe surprises in a year. Craig, you're asking a whole lot for those three guys to all wind up in victory lane. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, they this could very well it. be the most amazing year ever in NASCAR, if that's the case. Yeah, exactly, and I think that. Uh, I think that you're going to – it's going to be – I think because of the new alliances, the new car, um, I mean, I hate to say it because we all sound like a broken record. I actually listened to uh, Door Bumper Clear today, um, and I actually concurred with your thoughts on that show, but I think you're going to see – I think you're going to see a bunch of first-time winners, people that we didn't expect to pop off a win because, as we said earlier in the show, there is parity with these cars. And until the big teams figure it out, the little guy's got a shot. So, like Kyle Bush says, anybody go to Walmart and buy one of these. So, uh... <laughs> yeah. Daz, come on, man. Yeah. I got excited there, man. No, you, really, I'm starting you, to believe you there. I'm really starting to believe that we might see a Chris Busher in victory lane that we might see a Ricky Stithouse wind up in victory lane and not be a plate race or, or, or a super speedway race. We might Listen. see my amigo in victory lane. How about you spoil your role on trying to get spin house to victory lane? He's already been there. He's had his time. Get him out of the way. Um, he can go be spin house somewhere else. 
Um, Busher, on the other hand, I would like to see him in Cup Series victory lane. I know it's for him, but now he's in actual competitive equipment and whatnot. Um, I would like to see him up there. As for somebody from Trackhouse is going to win. I can't pinpoint who's going to do it first, but somebody from Trackhouse will get at least a win this year. That Jones boy. What about that Jones boy? He he'll run well. I don't. The only right now, the only chance I see of him winning is probably a plate track, or if he pulls off what he did with Auto Club. But other than that. I, I see good, solid performances. I just don't see race-winning material right now. I don't know. You know, I think we've underestimated the amount of money that this guy, uh, this Gallagher guy, has brought to the table here. He's brought two full-time cup cars in. He he, he accepted all debt that was created by the medallion guy. Um, he really took on, I mean, this is a $40 million operation. That uh, that GMS jumped into by by buying into this 43 team and adding another Cup team, um, you know I think that we're not looking at the same car that we've seen for the last four years with a guy who was trying to make money off of a race team. Um, I'm not, I don't think that that's where GMS is right now. Uh, as you said, they may have stunted the growth of some of their drivers in the lower leagues, but, but they know what they have. They, it's kind of like what Junior was saying. This was the opportunity to get in and get in quick, you know, and DMS did that. And just like we've seen considerable amount of difference with the Rick Ware race cars, uh, Gallagher did not have to start at ground zero by itself. He started on the same level playing field that everybody else has started on. So it's not like he's got to do a whole lot of catching up with engineering and all this other stuff. His his engineer is making a hundred thousand dollars a year, where the Hendrick guy he's making a million dollars a year. The difference is there there it, it's it's about how smart that hundred thousand dollar engineer is, because now it doesn't take that million dollars to buy the engineer. If you understand what I'm saying, so I believe that we're looking at a car that is more competitive than the car that's been that's been given to them in the previous years. I feel like this car is being prepared. And, and fixed by the same people who are working on Tyler Reddick's car, who's working on Austin Dillon's car, of course, Ty Dillon. We know that Jones boy has more talent than Austin Dillon, than Ty Dillon. We know that. Does he have as much talent as Tyler Reddick? I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to put those two together just yet. But we know that, that Eric Jones is one of the most talented drivers in that stable that's connected to all these other satellite teams. Eric Jones is a talented race car driver. I don't know if I can count short of him making the victory lane. Craig, let's hit on that real quick before we uh, bring our guest on because uh, I do know well, our guest is not in just yet. But 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 Eric Jones is a is a touchy subject for me because I am a I, I'll defend Eric Jones like I defend my Fords. What's your thoughts, Craig? Yeah, I think Eric Jones is a is a threat. Um. And now that he's in, well, I shouldn't say he's in decent equipment. Well, yeah, because he's in more decent equipment than he was in in Gibbs. So I think that we're going to see, I think we're going to see him break out this year. I said it earlier. 
um, he's one of the ones we're going to have to. He's the one of the ones we're going to have to watch for. So if you don't have him in your fantasy picks, I'd put him in there. I'd put him in there as a reserve driver, at least, and throw him in one or two races. And uh, you might be surprised. You might get some points out of that. All right. Well, that's got to be the conclusion of our Black Black Checker Flag segment. Uh, we're going to move on to the next uh, top of the hour. Of course, the top of the hour means that it's guest time. And uh, we have a special guest here this evening. Uh, I believe, Craig, you're the, you booked this uh, this driver. Um, and uh, Taz? No, it wasn't me. Oh, it wasn't you. It was Taz. Great. Well, Taz. Uh, that's right. It was Taz. 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 You're normally the guy who books our. You're normally the guy who books our uh, our guests. So that you know, I think the last two weeks we've uh, we've kind of swapped out on you there, Craig. Uh, but Taz, why don't you introduce our guest here as we bring him into the studio? All right. Well, our guest this week is none other than the promoter of Action Park East, uh, Champion Speedway Cartway. The Extreme Budget Predators series, and he's got not one but two indoor races at Norwich. One happened not that long ago, and the other one uh, will be coming up soon. So let's welcome Brandon Clapperton. Brandon, how you doing tonight? Good. How are you? All right. So. And uh, we got Craig and Chris as my co-host here. You two can chime in with questions anytime you got. So I want to know the spark, the sparkling idea um, that you had for the indoor cart race. Well, I was looking. Uh, I was looking over in the fall. I want to do something indoors in the wintertime because we all, you know, we all we've all got an itch. We want to scratch in the off season. And uh, I actually really hadn't found any place until one of our kart racers um, just happened to be friends with a guy that owns a horse arena and and uh, calls me up one day and says, hey, you want to come down here and check this out? He might be interested in having me in. So I took a took a ride down on a, it was like a Friday afternoon and talked to him, and within you know, 10, 15 minutes, we'd, we had a deal in place. So went pretty smooth. Now, from how you originally planned it, I think you planned like – six or seven classes versus you ended up with like, what was it, like 15 or something like that? How did the scheduling <laughs> It was 20, 20, uh, it was 22 classes and 23 features. Yeah. Um, yeah. The original plan was it like, I really didn't think it was going to take off like it did. I mean, we, we were originally planning on running, you know, seven or eight classes and, and just kind of keeping it somewhat low key. And, uh, but near, you know, indoor dirt in New York state, as far as we know, hadn't been done before. And, that uh, seemed to strike a chord with a lot of racers. And next thing you know, we got, you know, 20-something classes and and big two-day show, and, and it just it kind of exploded from there. Now, the next one, are you running the same classes or different classes? We're running, uh, we're running all the same classes, and not all the same classes. We cut, basically, uh, we want to streamline the show a little bit. Um, to be completely honest, I was – absolutely exhausted by the time I got home Saturday night. Um, in fact, I, I, my legs hurt, my back hurt, all that. I couldn't even get out of bed until like 2 o'clock on Sunday. It was it was crazy. So uh, we wanted to we wanted to streamline the show a little bit. I mean, we, we did run a pretty efficient show. I mean, we started at 
the 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 Saturday portion of the show. We started at noon and we were done racing by seven o'clock, and that's including hot laps and and all that. And uh, you know, Friday night I think we were done like we started at six, we were done by ten thirty. Uh, so it was, it, we did a good job running the show efficiently. Um, but it was just uh, we just wanted to like when we put it out originally, we said we want, we want to see six carts for a class to to run a to run a class. And we had a you know we had a few we had a few classes in there. I think we're at. Uh, I think we trimmed it down to something like 16 or 17 classes for this, uh, for the next show. Um, I know there was, there was a few classes that didn't have a whole lot of support. Uh, it was a little disappointing, you know, but the, like the, the wing champs, I think only brought a couple, the, uh, the quarter midgets, I think had two flatheads had three. Um, so we did that. And then we had to, I mean, we had, we had to make uh, make changes to our purse structure. Uh, we paid out a ton of money on the first race. Um, and while it wasn't a financial loss, uh, it was still, you know, it wasn't. You know, we had to we had to make some changes for the upcoming. So basically, we're doing one one pro clone race uh, for the uh, for the upcoming race, uh, just to try to condense it. I mean, we had we were in four pro classes at the last race. Two of them paid five hundred. Two of them paid a thousand to win. And and uh, you know, I think one of the classes had four or five entries. And that's just you know, that's just not, not a financially feasible thing to try to do again. Um, so we just, we cut it back. We're going to run clone 375 for, for the, the big money race for them. And, and we actually added a money race for the, for the extreme budget predators, which kind of goes against my principles with that class. But the, uh, the building owner actually says he, I'm going to put, I'm willing to put some money up for him. Uh, so he sponsored the Saturday portion of that show. So we'll run a, you know, the extreme budget predators will run a trophy race Friday night and then run a pro race Saturday. So uh, it'll be two two decent money races uh, on a Saturday portion of the show. So that should uh, should be still should still be a good time. I think we're gonna have a really good turnout for those. Now, you ran how long? Now you're a promoter of Action Park East. How long have you been in charge of that one? Yeah, that one I took over last. Uh, I run one season there. Um, we ran 2021 season was my first season, um, running that track. It actually, uh, it, they ran carts there back in like the early nineties. I think it closed up 1995 to cart racing. They did a bunch of speedway bike stuff there for a while. And it, it's been open and closed off and on for, for years. Um, so 2021 was the first time carts had been on the tracks in, I think it was 26 years. Um, so, so that was the first year for that. Uh, for me over there and for the track, you know, in, in a long time. So with Action Park, is that a weekly or is that like a bi-weekly, like special show type deal? Um, last year we ran once a month. I think it ended up, we ended up with seven shows counting the, the doubleheader weekend, 212 weekend. Um, this year we're gonna, we have actually 12 shows scheduled. Uh, we're kind of limited over there. Um, in green, we're limited to, I believe, 16 shows a year, and that includes uh, carts, the bikes, and the quads. So, um, you know, that kind of restricts how much we can do over there. Uh, we can't run weekly. Uh, I mean, I could probably go to the, you know, go to the town board um, and plead my case, and I, there's a chance that I could make could get it so it could be approved to run as a weekly track. But uh, I've got a I've got a camp, and I've got a young daughter, and I just I, I'm not giving up every weekend through the summer, every Saturday night through the summer to, to do it. I have no interest in, in doing a weekly Saturday night track. You know, Friday nights are one thing, you know, because it's really before your weekend kicks off, so I can still go up Saturday morning, go up to camp, and 
stay Saturday into Sunday and maybe into Monday if I want. Um, but Saturdays, that I don't want to have to commit every Saturday to, to kart racing. Now, Champion Speedway, there's been – last year there was – there was a kind of a lot going on actually towards the end of the year. Um, yeah, yeah, it got it got interesting down there. Yeah, um, you say, so can you like kind of go into depth of like how it started, how it ended, what the plans are? Yeah, uh, see, the last the last few years down there, there's been plans to build a separate track at Champion Speed. The surface that, well, while both while both Champion and Action Park, uh, uh, Jason Bonsignor. Um, is is who I lease both tracks from, um, and he is a he's a speedway bike guy. I mean, those those tracks are how he makes his living, um, and uh, and the, the but the surfaces are very different. At, at Jan or at Action Park, we have a we have the pretty high clay content in the surface. Um, while he does occasionally put some of that that bluestone dust, which is basically cat litter, he puts it on there. There's enough surface, enough of a base surface underneath there where after he puts it on and runs his show, I can go in and grade most of it off and uh, and still have it, still be able to put a decent surface on for the cart. Uh, the track at Champion is a little different story. That's There's several inches of that stuff on there, um, and it's not real conducive to good cart racing. Um, and that's the surface they've been running on down there for, I think, I think 2021 was like their sixth or so year of racing down there and just as many promoters. I think, they've had, I think they've had one more promoter than they have, have had a number of years down there. And a lot of it revolves around that surface. Um, and there's been plans to build a new track on the property for, for three or four years now. Um, it's just been a little slow getting going. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, the plan that they've actually, two years ago, they actually started carving and started leveling out the land and stuff like that. And then last summer they were building the new track for most of the summer, and Jason had intended on having the carts on it, you know, having the carts switched over to that track. First, it was early in the season, then it was middle of the season. It was by the end of the season, and then we got to Labor Day weekend, and basically uh, there was a rush to get the track finished, but there wasn't the resources needed to do that. And um, basically there was a disagreement between uh, Brian Mills was was the track promoter then, and he was the one that was leasing it from Jason. Um, basically, they had a disagreement about canceling races and moving race dates and championship dates. And uh, there was a bit of a falling out there. Um, but uh, so they, you know, they kind of, they, they parted company. Um, and, I mean, it, it's, it's a shame it's gotten as rough as it has from friends with both of them. I mean, Jason is a, yeah, he's a, he's, well, he's, he's a landlord, um, you know, and, I mean, obviously, as anybody who's ever rented any sort of, uh, you know, whether it's living space or commercial space, you're never going to be in a hundred percent agreement with your landlord. Um, you know, uh, and Brian at the same time, Brian was doing his best to put out a good product, um, and kind of limited as to what he was able to do. So it, it just, it was, a, um, it, it got a little ugly. Um, I can't, I'm not really going to take sides on either, either one of them, um, about what, what happened there, but ultimately, um, we need racing to continue at, at Champion. I mean, the Southern Tier area where I'm at, where I'm located, there hasn't been a lot of kart racing over the last. I mean, there hasn't been a kart track in the area since I was. I mean, we had Davenport Speedway when I was 16. I was the head flagger there. It was last year they ran. It was in 2002. 
Um, and then after that, there was no kart racing at all to be had, you know, the Twin Tiers area, the Southern Tier area, um, you know, until, until champions started running them. But everything's been so, uh, you know, everything's been so unstable there that it's kind of been a, been a deterrent. So there's a, there's a reputation that needs to be rebuilt there. But when I, uh, like, when I talked to Jason about taking over over the, you know, down there, Basically, I'm not running on the old track. We got to get the new track down. If the new track doesn't get done. I'm not interested. Um, which uh, so that seems to you know it's we're going to make sure the new track is ready to go. I mean, if I have to take time off from uh, you know off my other work, I'm self-employed, so I can kind of you know I can, I can devote some time to it. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> we're going to make sure that we have the new track done. So. All right. So new track at champion now. Yep. I know you you got the schedule release for Action Park. I haven't seen one for Champion. So roughly, when are you looking at like winning the season be, amongst between the two tracks? Yeah, the the season at Champion, we actually do have a schedule posted. Um, it's it's obviously tentative because the track isn't entirely built yet. It's probably fifty percent complete right now. Um, but we're looking. I believe it's right right around the fifteenth, sixteenth of of May. I can't remember the exact date. But it's right in that you know the middle of the month. Um, there we're going to run. I think we're we're planning on running one practice and then going into uh, going into our regular every Friday night uh, racing program um, in the middle of May. I mean, obviously that's going to be contingent a lot on weather. Uh, I mean, the track is it's carved out. Uh, we still got to lay the surface down. We still got to build some walls, put up some fences, um, and some lighting. You know, if we have to rent lighting for a little bit, then then that's what we'll do. Um, but hopefully we'll have it up at 100% before we get before we get going. That's why starting the year a lot later, you know, a month later than we are at Action Park, um, just because I want to make sure we got a we got a good product. I don't want to go into the season with a, you know, 60% completed racetrack that could be raced on, but it's not really ready. You know, it's not really good. Um, but but yeah, but this the schedule is posted on the the Champion Cartway page. Uh, it's on the pin post. It's got the rules and stuff like that. But the champion, the the champion speedway schedule is posted there. All right. Now I'm going to transition you into the extreme budget predators. Okay. How did that start? Because I know you as a racer came up with this whole deal, and it obviously kind of exploded to what it is now. But um, talk about like. What kind of looped through your mind as a racer to make this happen, and how did it grow so quick in such in like two years? I would say. Yeah, well, it was it was actually uh, Alex Comedy was promoting Champion. He's actually the one that that initially started the the base for the Extreme Budget Predator class. Um, I was I'd actually been running sprint cars, um, and with the COVID shutdown in 2020, like we had one track that was running us once a month. And, you know, being a touring series, generally, uh, you're kind of, most of the tracks in New York State, or none of the tracks in New York State were allowing fans. So no fans means means no special classes and stuff like that. So, uh, and I was I was scrolling through Facebook one day, and I saw that uh, that Alex had put up this post on the champion page that he was going to start this this Predator class. It was going to be, at that point in time, they wanted a 20-year-old chassis. You wanted a 2,000 or older chassis. And it was the box stock engine from Harbor Freight, which at that point in time was $99. Um, it was a, a max torque clutch, which is like 50 bucks if you buy it off the shelf at like Traction Supply or Napa, or you can get it on Amazon for like 25 
and uh, and I was like, huh, you know, that might be some that might be something to to keep entertained on the you know on the off weeks, and and I got thinking, my father, uh, my father, he was 62 years old at the time. He had never raced anything before in his life. He had like a slingshot once, and that was his kind of his racing. But I could always tell he had the itch. Like he wanted he wanted to do it, but he never you know he's not not one that had a big truck, a trailer, or anything like that. So. Yeah, I, you know this is this is perfect. I made a few phone calls to some friends of mine that that raced cars. Cause I, I knew absolutely nothing about cars. I hadn't seen I hadn't even seen a cart race other than like a champ cart race at the indoor races like Atlantic City, Syracuse, stuff like that. Uh, I hadn't even seen a, a flat cart race since I was like 16, so I had no idea what to expect. So I called. Uh, uh, I've been friends with Corey Navinger, uh who runs uh, uh, runs clones. And I've been friends with him since we were in high school. Uh, we actually wrestled each other a few times in high school. We went to a different school than I, than I did. And, uh, but I called him up because I knew he was, you know, I knew he was in the kart racing. What, what am I looking at for 20-year-old chassis? Like, what are we talking cost-wise? Because I had no idea whether it was a $100 thing or, a, you know, $1,500 thing. He's like, yeah, hey, he's like probably two, three, four hundred bucks. Like, all right, cool. So here we are. Me and my dad each put five about 500 bucks a piece. We went out and bought a couple of rolling chassis and engines and clutches and, and went racing, and then, and uh, and Alex, you know, he was he was talking to, he's like, of course, I, I I'm always getting ideas. I've always I've been involved in promoting now for different classes and stuff like that for since 2010, I think. I got when I started the truck class down Afton, Five Mile Point, or not Five Mile Point, but yeah, Afton Thunder Mountain Skyline. Um, so I'm always I'm always like the gears are always turning. Like, what can I do to to help this and help this blow? And I was like, yeah, hey, you know, a, a big race. Like a really big race would be cool, and but it was just kind of a like a pipe dream, you know. And then I'm at the track, and Alex is like, "Randy, what do you, what what can we do to give this a shot in the arm? So we need to put on a big race." I said, "The end of the end of the year, like last race of the year." I said, "We got to do a big race for him." He's like, "What do you think? Like 50 lapper?" I said, "No, no, no, big race." He goes, "100 lapper." I said, "No, no, no, big race." He's like, "What do you what do you think?" I said, "212." I said, "212 laps because we're running the Predator 212 engine." He goes, get the heck out of here. Nobody's going to want to do that. I was like, oh, everybody's going to want to do that. So what's the longest dirt race you've ever seen? And everybody asked, 200 laps, 200 laps. Okay, well, this is bigger. And then, so the class started in July. First race for it was July 3rd. And this idea came about in August. And we ran the race in October. I think it was October 17th. We had 35 cars that signed up for it. And so they, they came out of the woodwork. And then, uh, then Alex left. Uh, he left champion. Um, basically it was a, he wanted to run Saturday nights. The track wasn't available to run Saturday nights because that's when they were on their bikes. So he got out of that and he's like, yo, he goes, he goes, he goes predator class is all yours. He goes, you do what you got, you do what you want to do. And uh, he goes, keep it going. I was like, all right, so we'll keep it going. So I, just, I made a few, few minor, really minor changes, you know, buttoned up some gray areas in the rules, changed the age rule from 20 years to 15 years, just to make it easier to find carts. Um, it's, it's very difficult to find a thousand chassis, but Finding a 2006 isn't too hard, and uh, so we just we took off with it, and and then when I got into when I got into action parts, um, you know we kind of put a focus on it. Just it, I mean I was expecting you know I was expecting low to mid 20s, you know for cart counts for a regular show, and like opening night I think we had 33 or 34, and then it just kept growing from there. I mean there was there was a race at the end of the year before the 212 it was a 212 qualifier. I think we had 53 carts, and you know, trying to qualify for 24 starting spots where the winner gets a trophy and a starting spot in the 212, which we moved over to Action Park after the after the first year. 
so it just it just has taken off from there. It's just, and it's absolutely exploded. And we get people from all over. They're like, yo, this is, man, it's a cheap class, it's a fun class. And uh, and it's just it's just it's blown my mind how much it's exploded. Now you have um, some like big car racers that usually take part in this two twelve event, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, we get a we get a, a fair amount of uh, of, of the, the stock car racers um, that run. Uh, you know, the, the first year we had well, actually, I mean, the Predator class. It's, it's actually what's a lot of that has turned into is guys that either got priced out of the, out of the big cars. Um, like Steve Simpson runs with us on an every week basis. He's a, you know, he ran sprint cars with me and he ran factory stocks and IMCA modifieds. And, um, you know, Brian Mills, the one that he was the, he runs a predator also. And he was the, the one that was a promoter at, at champion. He had, he did street stocks and IMCA modifieds. And it was like the first year, the two twelve, we had, uh, um, Nick Nye, he's, a, he's modified. In fact, I think he was a modified track champion at Action or at Afton a couple of years ago. He ran the T12 with us. Uh, Thomas Radovoy uh, runs with us fairly regularly. He's a sprint car. Regular, he still runs sprint cars. Um, and uh, you know, we get. Uh, I'm trying. I'm having. A, I'm having a blank right here. But I, uh, this year, the Tituses, uh, Todd, Todd Titus, and Kenny Titus, they both run modifieds. Afton Five Mile Point Thunder Mountain. Um, they ran the, you know, they were they were at the 212 this year. Uh, Ryan Jordan, he's a modified runner from Thunder Mountain. He ran, in fact, he ran right up front. I think he finished fifth or sixth in the 212 this year. Uh, Tyler Yagel, he's a street stock runner. Um, you know, he finished in the top five. I think he finished. I want to say he finished fourth in the 212 this year. So, so yeah, it draws in it draws in a lot of stock car guys. They, you know, because it's something they can do for you know for the cost of two rear tires. Um, you know, for their for their weekly program, they can they can go get a cart and they can run, you know, run a big race like this and not you know not be too invested in it and just have a good time. And it's so it seems to be really popular with with guys like that. Chris, Brandon, Craig, do you have any uh, yeah, questions yeah. here? Right, right there. I mean, that's where I wanted to chime in at. Brandon, uh, we're seeing record highs at the gas pumps right now, and you know we've always claimed budget racer, budget racer, budget racer. I've always believed that uh, you can outprice yourself as a racer, but you can't take the race out of a racer. So he's going to go find something to do. Uh, do you Absolutely. think that uh, this is going to have a positive effect for your type of business as the local racer kind of uh, becomes too expensive to haul around a big race car? Do you see uh, maybe an explosion again, once again, in the uh, in the karting world as we've seen before? Uh, I'll sit back and let you answer that, Brandon. Yeah, I think um, I think it's going to help. I think, you know, in the, you know, for, for my tracks, um, I, I think it's going to be kind of a, we're going to see some positive, we're going to see some negative out of it. I mean, that's one thing about the about this, this Predator class, especially, which is really the meat and taters of, of, of our class is it is a budget class. And we've got a lot of guys that run that class that, I mean, we, you know, it's a $15 pit pass, $10 registration fee. And we've got, you know, we've got a lot of guys that do run the class that have to budget their week for, you know, for the night out the races. Um, while you don't need a big trailer or anything like that. I mean, you're still talking, you know, bare minimum 50, 60 bucks to go, to go racing. Um, you know, and when you see the price of gas is spiking, like it is, uh, you know, I mean, I, I really, I believe it's going to be a night. It's going to, it's, this, this is going to be temporary, just like it is. I mean, we've seen this hit. We've seen gas go over, over four dollars a gallon. You know, in, in in the last, you know, fifteen years or so, we've seen it. That was the third time it's done it. 
and it, it goes up, but it usually doesn't, it's not like it stays up for years. It goes up for a month or two, and then it starts slowly working its way back down. Uh, never goes down as fast as it went up, but, um, but I think, you know, racers are going to find a way. So I think it could cost us some of those guys, some of our real tight budget racers, which, which is a shame because they're the ones, I mean, ultimately they're the ones that get the tracks going. But I do think you might see some of these guys, some of these stock car guys um, that, you know, they might be running like the modified guys, street stock guys that are running two nights a week, right, you know, up until this year. They might cut back to a night a week or, um, you know, just because it's if, depending on how far they're, they're, they're hauling to the track. I think it wouldn't surprise me if we see some of those guys might they might run their, you know they might run their street stock or their sportsman or something on a, on a Friday night and then say you know what I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw the cart in the back of the truck for Saturday and just take the you know take the pickup or take the little utility trailer over to Action Park and and uh, or you know one or whatever it doesn't doesn't necessarily be my track but um, right you know just to, just to scratch that itch so I think overall I think it'll be a um, I think it'll. I think it'll still. I don't think we're going to be any farther ahead or farther behind than we were last year. Um, you know, as far as drivers, so I think we. I, I mean, if it, if these prices stay up and we, once we get into the race season or go higher, then I think we will lose a couple of our budget racers at least for the short term. Uh, but we may pick up a couple of the a couple of the stock car guys that they just don't want to. You know, I mean, those those guys you're talking. The price of everything's gone through. You know, when the price of fuel goes up, the price of everything. You know, it's race fuel, the price of tires, the price of parts, everything goes up. So you're going to see some guys, they're going to want to save a few bucks. And, and kart racing, I mean, you know, we burn less than half a gallon of half a gallon of gas, pump gas on race night. So whether you went, whether it was $3 a gallon, you burn a buck fifty in gas, or $5 a gallon, you burn two fifty in gas, that's not enough to, you know, that so that part of it um, isn't going to make any difference. But but I do think it's, I'm, I think it could, I think it could be a wash. I think I think it's likely to be kind of a wash, uh, where it's not good or bad um, for us. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it how it does pan out. Well, say I don't, I don't Brian, know about it ways. Okay, go ahead, Craig. Go ahead. We got a little bit left. I just got some questions for you. A couple. Well, one major question, honestly. If okay. somebody wanted to help sponsor your series or tracks. Uh, how would they go about that, and what well, sponsors can... do you have already? Oof! Now I got to I got to make a list. I'm gonna have to pull up uh, pull up my list here uh, for the sponsors um, that we've got so far this year. Uh, the best way, if you if you're interested in in sponsoring our track, uh, the best way is just to get a hold of me, probably on Facebook or um, or you know Facebook or whatever. Um, you know, or my phone call if you get on, or you know my phone. Uh, if you get on, you know, Action Park East Kart Racing page, the Champion, I think it's Champion Speedway Kartway page, uh, both those tracks have separate pages for their, you know, the Champion Speedway page is de- separate from the Champion Speedway Kartway page, and the Action Park East page is separate from the Action Park East Kart Racing page. But if you go to the Kart page, it's free to one of those. My contact information is on there. We'd gladly hook anybody up. Um, but uh, let, me, let me just pull up my uh, my list here of the sponsors that, uh, that have, you know, for Action Park that have that have come on board and have, you know, or renewed. And I and I know I'm just putting this. I know that I'm going to forget something because I know there's a couple of them where uh, that were waiting on uh, waiting on logos and stuff. So basically, how I'm, I'm reading this off my off my page. But uh, 
Uh, Terry's Custom Coatings just just renewed theirs today. They were one of our sponsors last year. Um, Fab Fusion Welding is what they're sponsoring a couple of classes. Uh, the Green Bolodrome, uh, Sydney Auto Body, Tri County Collision, uh, Bainbridge Auto Center, GB's Barbecue, uh, Old Iron Automotive, Superior Heating and Air Duct Cleaning, Wrenches Village Auto Service, SaloonDoorSports.com, uh, Prep by Carmody, Pratchler Supply and Contracting, Sydney uh, Sydney Flowers and Gifts. Catskill Shed Company, uh, Bryce Small Engine Repair, Clean Team Commercial Cleaning, Big E Shed Sledding. Uh, they do. They move all sorts of stuff. Um, we've also got uh, uh, Greenbrier Farms uh, out of Bainbridge. Actually, uh, they're new for this year. Um, they. Uh, I actually used to race trucks with with her husband, and and I was pretty good friends with him. Um, He's a good dude, and he was actually uh, he was one of the one of the first. I want to say he was in the first thousand people uh, that COVID claimed uh, back in 2020. Um, but his uh, his wife um, is uh, um, she's you know I've, I've stayed in contact with her. She's she's a great lady, and she's I mean she's jumped on any anything I need. She's like if I if I'm looking for something, she's making phone calls. You know she's doing. You know she's she's doing everything she can to try to help me out. And she's she's been absolutely huge this year. Um, and uh, you know you can't you can't you can't say thanks enough to somebody like that. It's just bending over backwards to uh, um, you know to to get things done. And like an MR graphics, there's, he's another one that he was helping. While he wasn't an official sponsor last year. Um, he, uh, you know, he helped us out last year. He put up some purse money for some of our, you know, our money clone races. You know, he bought us some stuff we needed for the track. As far as we were building a roller to, for the track and stuff like that, he bought a bunch of parts for that. And, you know, and he's helped us out. And he's he's actually on board as a regular track sponsor this year. And and he steps up wherever wherever's needed. He's helped with the indoor. He's doing a doing a new victory lane sign for the for the indoor races and and, uh, and stuff like that. Um, and uh, and like I guess I'm scrolling scrolling through my list here to figure out I don't want to miss anybody, but I know I'm going to because when I'm on the spot like this, I kind of, I kind of blank. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and every, and every sponsor we've got, I mean, some of them are cash sponsors, some of them are, you know, material sponsors or, or labor, um, you know, part, you know, equipment, stuff like that, like uh, Pratchler uh, contracting last year, like they hooked me hooked up with a back blade instead of discs and, and labor on stuff, and, you know, it's just, it's anything we can, anything like that is, you know, if somebody wants to get involved with the track, it doesn't necessarily have to be cash. Like, hey, you got you got you got a little bit of equipment, you got days, you know, you got a day you can donate or a few hours you can donate, we'll hook you up. So, uh, but yeah, that's where we're, uh, that's where I'm at right now. Like I said, I know I'm forgetting, I know I'm forgetting some very obvious sponsor, but. I, I apologize in advance to whoever's listening going, hey, what about me? What about me? Right. Uh, yeah. Well, we appreciate you well, uh, being on, Brandon, and uh forward to hearing back from you, Taz. Well, if, yeah, nobody, else any, well, if nobody else has any final uh, questions or concerns uh, here, then, Brandon, it was nice to have you on. Uh, hopefully... 2022 does well for you, and if we can get you on towards the end of the year, we'll like to hear the successes you have, and hopefully we can catch you right before the 212, and if we can, so that'd be awesome. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. 
Not a problem. Thank you. All right, that was Brandon, and uh, check out his uh, his racetrack, the series that uh, that they run up there at. Uh, what, what was the name of the track there? It's, Action uh, Park East and Champion Speedway Cartway, which is um, in the southern tier part of New York. Yep. All right, yeah. Our production manager said we'll, we'll definitely uh, be having you back on, Brandon. So we appreciate your time and all and give awesome. us a great interview. It's awesome when guys can come in and fill that 30-minute time slot with it. <laughs> with I, I'll be honest, I didn't realize, I didn't realize the time was out. But I looked at the clock and I was like, wow, it's a half hour gone already. All right. <laughs> it works out perfect. So uh, we appreciate you, Brandon. Well, I appreciate you guys. All right, bye-bye. All right. Well, we've got uh, just about 27 minutes here left in the show uh, as we move to our fourth segment. Um, well, actually, I think it's actually our, I don't even know, one, two, three, I don't know. If you follow the itinerary, I guess it's the third, the fourth segment. But uh, anyway, it's where we uh, have our fan question. We do our pick uh, Mondays. Headlines today, uh, and, uh, really getting. Uh, oh, do the fan question first, Miss Lee said. Okay, so uh, let's pull that up real quick. Of course, uh, fan question uh, presented by Miss Rebecca Sears. She has uh, been submitting a fan question uh, about every episode for over a year now. She calls herself a rookie. Uh, but really, after the first season, you kind of take that rookie stripe off. So the question, the, uh, <laughs> the, the fan question, the Q&A, good morning, Chris. Thank you for answering my questions each week and helping this rookie fan understand the sport. Last week at the Auto Club Speedway, they mentioned the banking being a factor. Do different tracks have their own degree of banking, or is it standard? Is it for speed or safety? Why so important? So... This one, this one's oh. all about character. Okay, go ahead, Taz. Go ahead. So, so each track um, has its own banking, and as Chris was just saying, has its own character. Um, for the reason why a lot of racetracks carry some sort of banking is because of speed-wise. When you're steering a car, say when you're driving on the road, for instance. Um, obviously, if you steer, you obviously like kind of like lean um, because the car kind of leans in a sense. Well, in order to kind of keep a car balanced, you've got to have some kind of banking while you're turning. So at the speed that these guys uh, and sometimes gals uh, race at, you've got to have that um, you got to have that banking in order to keep the balance in your car while you're turning left and such. So Speedways like Taz, Taz, let 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 me hold the wheel for a second because I I think I've got a perfect analogy. Just just think of it like this: when you're coming off the interstate, right, and it's snow on the ground, and y'all got plenty of that up there, right? So you have a lot of times a straight runoff where you're where you get off the exit out on the interstate. Now, if you were to decide to make a left-hand turn, what would what would basically happen if you were at a high rate of speed going off of that exit? You would slide off of it, right? Because it would be too much force 
and you would basically the car would lose grip. So if you've ever been uh, around one of the uh, figure eight type inter- uh, uh, on ramps and off ramps, then you have that large banking. And what it is is it'll pick the car up on that side, and that that kind of keeps the balance of the car, so the car can actually make that turn without you know, basically sliding off. Um, I thought maybe that's. I thought that would be a good analogy. Maybe I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not spitting it out well enough. Help me! Well, help me! Dig me out of it, this one. I guess, like in slower speeds, it kind of uh, like track of say like Martinsville or New Hampshire. I guess you can. They have like little to no banking there, because like you're not going as fast through the corners. Um, Bristol can be a different way. Bristol is just different. Um, it's just banked everywhere you go. But yeah, you can you can go a lot faster at Bristol than you can at Martinsville. That's a perfect that's a perfect analogy. You can only go like forty five miles an hour through the corner at Martinsville because it's a paper clip and it's a flat track. But a place like Bristol, you can roll through the corner at sixty five, seventy five, eighty miles an hour plus at a track like Bristol because of the banking. And sometimes with the bankings too, sometimes with the bankings too, uh, depending on the track, um, the inside line is not the way to go. And if you, as you see like Auto Club, at times Las Vegas, depending on what part of the race, um, you'll see it in Homestead too. Homestead's big for it. Um you'll have the outside be the fastest lane around and you're thinking, well, why? Because that's the, that's the, you know, more outside and should take a while. Well, no, not necessarily because sometimes when you get off that banking, it's like going down a hill while you're driving. So you're kind of like increasing your momentum. Yeah, very good. So, so Craig just went to Daytona and I don't think anybody's seen banking until you go to a super speedway racetrack. Um, if you're ever, Craig, I don't know, were you able to walk out onto the speedway? Uh, like a lot of times with Talladega, you have a crossover there. Uh, oh, so I don't, know, I don't know if you were able to actually go out onto the racetrack. Texas is another track that has a, a really high bank. Um, but, you, you know, basically you can stand on that bank and uh, you could. Okay, so at Bristol, the greatest thing that I've ever seen at Bristol was when they rolled the Volkswagen down the banking. Like, they literally just tipped the Volkswagen over, and it rolled down the bank. So, um, it is a character thing. I think all tracks, of course, uh, Darlington, you get the Darlington Stripe. Uh, the, the problem with the cookie-cutter racetrack was it was when, – when Miss Rebecca asked if this is something that all the tracks do, it's a certain guideline or something, that's kind of what made the cookie-cutter tracks so bland is – there were several tracks built at one time that were all kind of configured the same way uh, with the same amount of banking. What Atlanta Motor Speedway has done is they've gone in and added more banking. It kept the track the same size, but by adding that banking, now all of a sudden we're looking at super speedway speed at an already tra- track that's been known to have uh, a very fast uh, uh, qualifying speed. So, um it is definitely a character issue. It's not a. It's not a standard. Some tracks are flat, as we said. Uh, uh, New Hampshire 
and Martinsville are some of the more flatter services. Then you have some that are outright banked like crazy. Uh, that would be Bristol. That would be Dover. That would also be Talladega or Daytona. And then you have the semi, uh, you know, kind of just uh, a lazy little little embankment. Those are kind of like your Charlotte tracks and stuff like that. Well, there is obvious banking there, uh, but not uh, not a considerable amount. Now, now, Chaz, we're leaving the dirt tracks out of this. I love what you said there. Sometimes you can get up on that top side. We call that high side hustling. And uh, there's only a few that I know that can run that top side like that. And as you said, they, it's like a rocket ship watching them come out of turn two uh, down the back stretch, especially at, the play, at a place like the House of Hook when somebody's held that top line up there. They they hanging up on that, uh, hanging it all out there up on that top side, baby, going off into the back stretch. It's it's almost like a missile being shot out uh, with the momentum that they're able to grab because it is kind of a downhill effect. I love how you put that in there, Taz. Yeah, some some of these tracks are kind of like dirt tracks where if you you catch that high line, you're going to be running it very well. Um, obviously, you got to you got to wheel it in order to do it. So. Um, well, that's why you see some guys like uh, Tyler Reddick and Kyle Larson uh, snag the wall uh, at these high bank racetracks because that's where they prefer the line to be. They're they're high side hustlers, and uh, there's a price to pay a lot of times uh, when you're hanging up there on that top side. I think we we miss local uh, local stuff this weekend, and I, I hate that because I had a I had a lot of stuff that come out of Why Not this past weekend that uh, we could have talked about uh, because uh, our season started up and all. But uh, we'll have to make sure that we find a way to squeeze that off in there um, in, in the future. Uh, but uh, thank you, Miss Rebecca. Also, she wanted to know uh, about the dirty air, clean air. Uh, basically, we, we've covered this uh, in previous uh, episodes, especially when we talked about the air going up underneath the race car and coming out of the vents, this is similar to that. Look, you're gonna it, clean air means that you are out front and everybody else is in dirty air. So the only car that literally sees clean air is the lead car. Um, and the dirty air effect is something that, you know, you, you're always trying to get the best aerodynamics out of these race cars. Uh, the guy with the best aero wins. Uh, but... Uh, um, you know, the dirty air is something that uh, is created with racing, and it's not something that you're going to be able to get rid of. Uh, it's something. It's just a part of the racing. It's how these racers adapt in the dirty air. Uh, as you've seen with what our stat of the day was, there is no problem in passing right now. So that dirty air does not have as much of a negative effect on these race cars as what we've seen in the past when it's been followed the leader. So I commend NASCAR for fixing the dirty air problem, the aero dependency problem that we've seen for the last few years with this, uh, with the uh, Gen 6 race car. This Gen 7, with what we've seen so far, they're able to make passes and they're able to get around, and that's something that uh, they're not aero-locked as we've seen in the past. All right. Well, I I can't... I can't think of anything else to add on this part. Um, do we have our DJ man back? Did he go somewhere? I don't know. I hope we didn't lose him. He's got to make his picks. 
I think he's still on the air. Uh, I don't know why he didn't answer when I asked if he went out on the racetrack. Maybe, maybe he had to. Uh, maybe he had to uh, step away from that that, that segment there because um, uh, you know. <laughs> Greg, you there? Jeez, fall asleep, buddy. I hope not. We gotta make our picks, and Chris, while you're trying to catch up, you're still on bottom of the food chain, there, bud. Yeah, I finally scored some points this week, though. Um, I looked and I looked at my total truck points, and Jesus Christ, I must be terrible. I thought I I thought I picked up some points this week with Ryan Freeze finishing somewhere in the top ten there. Uh, I'm not sure exactly he, where he finished. He, but. The two stages is where it hurt for you. He didn't finish in the state. He didn't finish top ten in the stages, which was weird. I thought he was up there. Yeah, Priest was. Uh, and and now that we've said something about that uh, that team, the DGR team, of course, it's it's. I can't believe we've gone this far without. Uh, you know, sending our condolences to the DGR race team. Of course, there was a tragedy uh, early this morning with a truck driver of the DGR fleet. And uh, several other people were injured as well, but uh, they lost uh, the one of the co-pilots of the uh, of the rig. It was a wreck in Texas, and it claimed the life of the of a truck driver and uh, put some other people in the hospital with some pretty bad uh, conditions. So, our thoughts and prayers are with the race team and, of course, the racing family. <clears throat> um, it's a dark day when something like this happens. We just hope that uh, they can recover and uh, find uh, find a reason to, to keep on keeping on. Uh, I think um, this is the first tragedy we've seen in the sport in a long time. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I don't really have the words to describe. Um, you know, I, I know that a couple of years ago we lost, uh, oh, my goodness, what was his name? I can't even remember his name right now. Uh, he was the oldest guy to ever uh, attempt to make the Daytona 500. I can't think of his name right now. Um, but uh, so it's been a while since we've had one of these tragedies, and uh, it's just never easy when we do. But um, our thoughts and prayers are with the DGR family, and and uh, so they can find their way to to move on. But uh, so I, I guess we're racing just uh, Xfinity and the Cup. Uh, yeah, we got we got two series, the Xfinity and Cup this weekend at Phoenix. You know, I mean, hey, look, right now the hottest driver in Xfinity has got to be Noah Gregson. The guy that's been turning some heads that I've really noticed is uh, coming on strong is Josh Berry. Uh, so uh, Ty Gibbs, you know, he's he's up there. Um, I think all of those are legitimate point scores as that seems to be the trend that I work with each weekend, trying to get the most points, not necessarily trying to pick the winner. Um, it would be nice to get a couple of wins. It really would be. Uh, but uh, I believe with what's going on this weekend and how I've seen uh, the, those junior motorsports cars run, I'm, I'm going to have to you know, go with what I believe would be my best points bet, and that's going to be Josh Berry, man. Uh, I've seen oh, him beat the friend. last couple of weeks. Oh, man, you know – I just gave away my pick. I just gave away my pick. 
you, I like strawberries, I like blueberries, and I like Josh Berry, you know? I mean, just, <laughs> I'm a berry guy. I can't help it, you know? I like I like raspberries, I like strawberries, I like huckleberries, and, I, I mean, I like Josh Berry. I think that uh, he's a hell of a race car driver. Glad to see him, a late model guy, get the opportunity he's been given, and uh, I see him maximizing it on that opportunity, so I'll have no problem picking him uh, for the Xfinity win. Now, the Cup win, you know, we're in Phoenix. This is, uh, you know, this is where the championship will come back and end the season with. So you have to look at the title contenders uh, that, that, that are going to run here. Um, Ford is not where I want them to be right now. Um, so if I'm trying to score the most points, I'm not going to pick a Ford, and that hurts because I would love to stay with my Ford family and uh, be able to uh, be confident that one of those guys would score me the most points. But, uh, you know, when you when you start trying to figure out the championship, you've got to go with the guys who've won there and win there consistently. Of course, that's going to be Hendrick Motorsports. Um, Willie B's had a hell of a damn year already. He hasn't been running too well, so I'm not going to – I, I, I see them doing better, but I don't see uh, that team that could maximize my points. Of course, Bowman always runs well at Phoenix, but Bowman generally, when he runs, he, he's he's been shitty all year, and then all of a sudden he wins. So I'm not expecting him to win again next week. I'm expecting kind of the the opposite, going back to being shitty again. Even though he's had a pretty good uh, record at Phoenix, I hate to be on the same bandwagon and and choose the same guy every week. But uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I feel like things are going right over there. Ah 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 ah. I tricked you. I'm going with Martin Truex Jr., guys. I mean, come on, man. Did you really think I was going to pick another defender again for the third damn week in a row? Hell no. I just had to string y'all on for a little while. I'm going with Martin Truex Jr., baby. He's going to be the guy to win this weekend, and I'm going to notch me one of them right there because uh, that's just the way it is. And and believe it or not, I may have Martin Truex Jr. written down for my guy who's going to win the championship at the end of the year. So it may be the real reason why I went that way. Well, you got Josh Berry and T-Rex. Craig would be up next to do picks, but I don't know where he went. Oddly enough, he disappeared. Hope he's all right. But Miss Lee would be up next, and she goes no aggressive. That means no aggression. For Xfinity, and I don't blame her, being that he's three for three for top tens this year, um, and the, and I think top five. I have to double check that one. Um, he's been Mister but her cup pick. Well, she's going with she's going with Larson, Lala. Gregson has a chip on his shoulder after Vegas. Uh, maybe. Just maybe. So, she picks Gregson and Kyle Larson. Larson's not a bad pick for Phoenix. Wouldn't be my strongest pick. Personally, to me, not my strongest, I would say. Good pick, though. I will say that. Mr. CJ picked A.J. Allmendinger and... His cup pick should be no shocker to anybody. As Chris would say, it's the push. 
<laughs> My pick. Well, I kind of gave it away when Chris said his. I'm going Josh Berry. Um, being that it's more of a shorter track, um, more suitable to his style of racing, and he's ran pretty well so far, minus Daytona. Um, he He's a guy to really look out for. Uh, my pick for the cup side um, is not a Chevy, and it's not a Ford, so we just narrowed down like 90% of the field. I am going out of the Toyota camp of the Hamster. He's won here a couple times. He's ran very well at this track. I believe he's finished in the top ten like Lord, most. I cannot believe that you would even go there with Denny Hamlin. I mean, the Hamster's he, he, he looks exactly like what you said, the, the mouth spinning a wheel that ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Listen, if you... I will pull up the stat of the day again as to reason why I picked Hamlin and why he's a good, solid choice to have Hamlin. Not only because of wins here, not only because of wins. I mean, come on now. We don't chase those nowadays, do we? Oh, wait. We go in the system. We go in the points racing system of wins matter more than points nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's bonus points connected to those jokers, man. I mean, you know, you got to go for the win, man. You got to. I don't see no Cody Ware getting picked around here. (laughs) Well, if I can pull it up rather quickly, because I was – I had a about five drivers to pick from for the cup side, and well, you I almost picked the Hendry driver. I almost picked the Hendry driver. I almost did. You're changing I, I had your to pick? Figure out what, I had about five that was eyeballing, but re, here's the reason why I said him on here. We're going to have a stat of the day on this. Ha, ha, ha. So he's won two races at in thir, two races in 33 starts, right? His average finish is a 10.5. Now, out of his 33 starts, basically two-thirds of his starts, he's finished in the top 10. And about half of his starts, he's finished in the top five. Can you really argue that theory? <sighs> I mean, you know, Miss Lee, that uh, yours haven't done well this year, so... Um... Think she's I feel better like in the Phoenix, region for us. I feel like Phoenix could be the big turnaround for her. Phoenix would be the big turnaround for the uh, the Toyotas. You know that was my Monday's headlines today. That's so that's so crazy because it was the rising Phoenix. Toyotas prevail. Prevail. You know this is uh this this is where this is where the Phoenix will rise. This is uh, where Toyota. Uh, makes their mark because look uh, to be honest with you we've seen uh, what uh, Bowman win we've seen Larson win we've watched Cendric win so but technically um, Kyle Busch should have really gotten the win this past weekend for the late caution okay so uh, we would have seen our top three power rankings all score wins but uh, we're going to have to wait a couple weeks till next week to see the Toyotas pull that off and uh you know, to not to go into the fourth week of the season and not uh, 
not have Toyota with the win, I, I think that's going to be uh, damn near impossible. So that's part of my Monday's headlines today. So you're sticking with Hamlin, though, right? I'm sticking with Hamlin. All right. What's your Monday's headline today? Ah. Uh, Let's see. Toyota prevails. Yeah, we've already got that one. Hold on. I got a I got a cliffhanger for this one. Uh-huh. Toyota prevails. But who becomes the head honcho of Toyota? Who's the big guy in the Gibbs stable? Hmm, who's the guy? Who is the guy? Because we haven't been able to pinpoint. Kyle Busch had a hell of a run. I mean, he was he was he was the car to beat until there was a way to beat him, and that was with the caution flag. So uh, Bush was on his way, and basically had his home had his home track stolen away from him. So uh, you know, I think uh, I, I think my guy Martin Truex Jr. Like I said, I spent years cutting up on Martin Truex, saying, "Oh, he's not a." You know, he's not who we think he is. It's all his crew chief. Well, the crew chief that I believe so much in is now an IndyCar, and Martin Truex Jr. is still at the top of the stable over there at Joe Gibbs Racing. How much he's got left in the tank, I'm not sure, but I think he races for a different purpose than the rest of them, and that's what uh, that's what's got me on the on the Martin Truex Jr. bandwagon. Ah, Miss Lee got you there. She says, says it's Gibbs. She says, wow. who says it's Gibbs? It could come out of 2311. She might have gotten you there. Well, we all know that's the I said, I car said anyway. If, so. if Toyota's, I said if Toyota's prevail, who's the head honcho? I left that wide open. You did, didn't you? Good job. We just sneak that one in there. So you you, uh, you, you think Bubba Wallace and Kurt Busch are going to be the – the Toyotas to uh, to shine. I, huh? I mean, I'm not. I don't personally. I don't think so, but I'm open minded for it. With how much parity we've seen so far from the next gen cars. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that these other guys are finding so much success, and we know how much money's been dumped into this Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan project, and. Uh, we're not seeing the results that we expected. As a matter of fact, even with Kurt Busch, I've been disappointed. Uh, it seems like they just keep stumbling on their over their own two feet. Now, this is something that you know Kurt's been known to do, and then they get it together. Uh, it, it was it was the first slow six months when uh, he went through Penske and was still able to win with a brand new team uh, before the year was out over there at uh, Penske at uh, Chip Ganassi. So, uh, all right, well. Just got to get Craig's picks. But other than that, uh, that's the wrap for the night. It is 8.59. So uh, my little buddy over here, the Tasmanian devil of uh, 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 flagging, uh, will close us out like he normally does. And we hope that you come back and tune in with us next Tuesday night. We enjoyed having you. Uh, Taz Taylor, close it out for us, buddy. All right. Next week we'll be back here on blog talk radio same bat time same bat place we'll have our power rankings update from preseason to what we have now after phoenix and of course 
You can catch us on any form of podcasts of Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Of course, you can also check us out on the link on our Facebook page to listen at any time. This has been another episode of Race Chat Live with the Caution Flag Radio. Chris Crane, the DJ Music Man, Craig Moore. I'm Tasmanian Double Flagger saying, Tav Taylor saying good night. We'll see you next week. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curve. Planting the hills. Someday the mountain might get them, but the law never will. Making their way. That's just a little bit more than the normal life. Just a good old boy. Wouldn't change if they could. Fighting the system like a two modern day Robin Hood. Somebody killed Kitty. They killed Kitty.